This is a Bold Babes podcast. Why did I create the Bold Babe show? Honestly, because I was tired of hearing underdog stories from top dogs. You know, there's so much inspiration to be found when we just turn and look to the woman that's next door to us. The woman that is making impact in her local community. The woman that is fighting for the people in her hometown. I wanted to highlight those stories because honestly, they deserve to be told. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of The Bold Babe Show. I am sitting outside right now in a pretty beautiful spot. I'm actually at the Dallas Museum of Art. Now, I am, I consider myself a, a pretty artistic and creative person, but I don't necessarily practice it for a living so I'm always really interested in people that either work directly with artists themselves or are artists um, and just work in really creative fields because growing up I was obsessed with art I thought I was going to be an artist but I was really discouraged from going into that field so being able to see people um, successfully carving their own lane is really exciting for me. And so I am really pumped about today's guest, and I am going to hand the mic over her to her. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Ashley Jones. Hey, um, I'm Ashley Jones, and I am, I'm a writer that's at the core of everything that I do. I have a website, which is basically a digital like arts magazine, and it's called Postmodern Indigenous. It features um, interviews with different creatives and artists whose work I've discovered and thought deserved like some platforming through conversation, um, as well as just general articles, some feature products that you'll see featured here and there that I think lend to like the creative lifestyle um but really that website in addition to being something that I want to be like a quality thing something that people seek out is sort of like a flagship for a business for collaborations I write for artists and creatives of different types be it someone's artist bio or blogs or you know different things that fall under the umbrella of copy things that help them to tell their stories I've also collaborated with artists on projects that I think are more in the sphere of the writing being the arts so more I guess literary arts um I collaborated with a handful of talented artists in a project that was put together by Michael Chorus, who's like the head of the arts at SMU here in Dallas, but also in his own right is a very successful artist. He has done a lot of things in Paris as well as in New York. And uh, yeah, so he put together this project, Dallas Pavilion, which I was asked to be a part of. So I did that and it was exhibited in the Venice Biennial just last year. And that's so that's more on the side of the writing that I'm doing being art as opposed to about art. I do it all. I love the the mix of it um some magazine contributions as well and that is crazy to me because I have had to work on copy I've been writing since I was small but you know you think that if you journal or if you write fiction that it would lend itself to any kind of writing but that is 
surely a mistake. <laughs> and so how did you specifically get into copywriting? I graduated college and I realized that, I mean, I feel like I spent my time well there and I like, lived life and got to experience a lot for sure. And like a lot that comes in handy now with the work that I'm doing, but I didn't do that whole track of like an internship or like a specific mentor or something and so I graduated and I had this piece of paper which I did, don't even really have I don't have the piece of paper to this day because you're supposed to go and pick it up and I never picked it up and whatever so yeah like I have this piece of paper and now what I thought you know I could do freelance writing I could pitch to magazines and I could also look into copy copy came a little easier than magazines in the beginning just because of having work to show you know it matters and even where your work comes from matters so I had done like some things for smaller blogs while I was in college but it wasn't like exactly turning heads right off um and google um <laughs> I think I just was looking around at ways to get your writing out there and came across different sites where it was more or less like opportunities to connect with people who are posting copywriting jobs and after doing that for a while and doing some things that were really interesting and some things that were really not and I was able to niche down I had more of a background I had a resume I had a portfolio and I knew that I was interested in in the arts and in creatives and helping them to tell their stories through my writing so I decided that I was in a place where I could focus on that and that's what I would do. What was your first endeavor with doing this? Was Did you already have a network established? Because I know that as business owners, we may be great at our craft, but we may not necessarily have the business um, knowledge or network marketing, anything like that to get in a launching space. So what did that look like for you? I definitely, when I first started reaching out, it wasn't so much network-based. It was it was sending emails where I could find an email address or replying to somebody directly through, like, a website. I want to say Upwork, but I don't even think that that was a thing at the time. But, like, something similar to that where just different freelance stuff is based. But I was also just looking at things that people were doing and reaching out to people who I felt like... I could write something on this person for, I think I had like a Tumblr and I thought I'd write like interviews. So like through that, I think one of the first people who I interviewed for like my Tumblr space, or maybe not even one of the first, but you know, in that first handful was like, well, I have a website. Do you want to write for my website? And I did that for a little bit. Um, coming here to Dallas though... And I started off in New York where, of course, like people have network, but I think my network was so much more like I like fashion or like nightlife people, which now knowing what I know, I could have reached out there and made writing a part of that potentially. But I wasn't even that's just not where my head was at, I guess. I will say, I guess that within my network in New York, like I was doing some work with like MoMA PS1 and meeting people who were like crazy ambitious and doing different kind of writing doing different kind of visual arts whatever it is and like even in just saying that I was a writer the kind of like work that they expect that I might be doing that wasn't exactly what I was doing like kind of like helped me have more of a vision and from there I ended up I think maybe three four years after college moving to Dallas and it was really just a little while of like going to things, feeling my way out. And I happened to be in Houston 
uh, and sitting next to someone at an art event. It was like more of a performance art thing in a space called Lawndale Art Center, which is great. And I told the person who was next to you because they asked that I was a writer and they he's like I have somebody you should meet and then this woman came and sat down and it was his wife and she is the editor of Arts and Culture Texas Nancy Wozni and um she's like you know send me some stuff and from then I've been writing with them and going to like events that they have because they do make it a point to try to have their contributing writers meet each other so they'll like organize happy hours and stuff I've met other artists as well as writers through that and it's you know going to one other gallery show or one other opening or one other whatever and there's definitely just like a community of creatives that I feel like I'm still like digging into in various spaces here but um and it was not something that I knew to expect when I got here it was like a very strong place as far as building a network and just being able to like gather with people and create those opportunities to stop a relationships so I kind of want to dive into how you got to a space in actually monetizing your work I know that it's something that creatives struggle with um you know the starving artist stereotype isn't much of a stereotype at all <laughs> so how did you get to a space where you were able to make a business and monetize and support yourself from your art when you're just starting off and you don't feel for yourself that you have that proof it's hard but you get shaken out of that when you're like writing a tons of words about something you're not even interested in or about something that's not be some like shining point in your portfolio and you're not really getting paid enough for it and you'll feel that and start asking for more and start walking away when you don't get more and that was the very beginning of that um and I think even now still like there's always like new information coming up about like how much someone is getting paid for it because like freelance it's kind of a you know there's not like a guide post or not even just freelance but just doing something independently but the more that statistics come out about, like, how much men are getting paid versus women, how much white men are getting paid versus everybody, it's like, okay, I know that they have the money and I can ask for this and if they really value my work that they can. But, um, I mean, it's asking. It's asking and it's looking for paid work and it's saying no to not paid work unless it's something that is, I don't want to tell people what not paid work to take because that's such a toss-up and at the end I think that but it's tricky it's tricky I, I trying to answer this I feel like I'm not like the expert at this that I wish that I would that I'm like still growing but um it started off looking for paid work and then it grew into asking for more just being able to ask for more and it grew into casting a wide enough net and having enough work going on that I could walk away from things that I didn't think were worth it and also sometimes having to humble myself because I'm working for me and I need a job right now but still like having an eye on like this is the value that I bring being able to ask for more being able to you know and being able to reach out and create opportunities for yourself because not every pitch you send to a magazine is going to be accepted not every person who you reach out to has a job posted is going to choose you just doing the work really consistently like working out a system or as close to a system as you can and like knowing not to be afraid to like ask for that money 
consistency. It's something that we struggle with, especially people that are creative. Um, I know I constantly feel like I'm launching and launching and launching and I feel like I've just now gotten a system together that works for me as far as consistency goes. But I want to flip the script a little bit and get outside of the work that you do and, and kind of gear this more towards who you are as a person. So what is it about you that keeps you in this creative space? Because it is so challenging. It is so hard. I think as far as like creativity and being in a creative space goes, it's very much like rooted in my interest. I can't think of the name of the author, but she wrote uh, Prozac Nation and she died a couple of days ago. She had a quote and it's a much longer quote, but a takeaway from it is like, I've done work that people appreciate because like I do what I want to (laughs) do. And she was saying like, you know, I think that might not even be the most positive thing, but I worked it into a positive way. And like, I absolutely just pursue what like I'm interested in and what I'm drawn to. And always been like a big reader. And so because of that, I've been interested in like authors and, because I was a big reader, I was reading, like, magazines when I was a kid, and so, like, interviews with, like, musicians and about that kind of thing is, like, interesting to me, like, that kind of lifestyle and what I can say, like, being in a creative profession is, like, my lifestyle is not, like, something I've read about. I'm not, like, Basquiat and New York in the 80s, but I feel, like, so rooted in that or, like, continuing, like, a tradition, and so... I feel like it's it's where I'm supposed to be because it's what I'm drawn to and it's what I like and I try to do what I like I mean at the end of the day I don't even think that's like a bad way to go about it because everybody's going to be doing something and like that's what you're doing with your life so you know I guess I'm a person who like I don't know I've been called like selfish in my life not even like necessarily pertaining to it but you know like so like I've heard it all already before like so if I'm gonna take a step in my career you know root myself in this thing that is harder maybe than something else has to be because I wouldn't actually enjoy the something else or I wouldn't really care about the something else then like I can do that like feel like definitely it's something that even business owners go through that we're constantly called selfish, right? Because we pursue the things that we love. What have you had to kind of sacrifice even in this process? I think, honestly, I could like chill out a bunch more if I just had some job. Because even within myself, there are times when it feels harder, like I'm not doing things exactly how I want them to be or things aren't going exactly how I want them to be where I'm like, what are you doing? Like you could do something else and I don't know I always just tick back to it so I guess whatever like struggle I have internally like I push past it and that's not to say that it doesn't feel really heavy sometimes and I think that that is like a sacrifice in and of itself because it's kind of at least at moments like sacrificing peace of mind within like my relationship even though when things are like a lot of encouragement and like you're good at it and I see you like succeeding kind of thing when like gloves are off and there's an argument it's like you it's not so much I see you growing it's it's very much like I 
why are you doing this? Like, just anything to, like, poke holes. And it's easy to poke holes in my business because I'm not, you know, name a thing that your grandparents would understand. What my grandparents or my grandmother does not understand is what I'm doing. And the things that she can kind of draw parallels to, at least, are also not the things that I'm doing. So it's like, if I'm talking about interviewing somebody for a magazine, blah, 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 like, it's like, oh, well, then maybe one day you could be like this, you know, names like the woman from the news or something, even though that's not exactly (laughs) what I'm even trying to get at. There's a lack of being understood. There's... It gets easy to get hard on yourself, and I guess if somebody wants to, then it's easy for them to, like, poke holes where there may already be a little bit of an opening. So you definitely, I don't even know what I was going to say, you definitely do, because there's no, like, rationale except that this is what you know you want to do, so you keep doing it despite these things that are, like, really real and can be really heavy. We want to fund you. We have developed a podcast network to cater to our community of ambitious young women between the ages of 21 and 35, and we're searching for unique shows to develop for our channel, Bold Babes Radio. No podcast editing, music licensing, or sponsorship negotiation required. Just raw talent and an established social presence. If you have a story to tell, love empowering millennial women, and want to partner with a brand on the rise, email your pitch to podcastdirector at boldbabes.co. Again, that's podcast director at bullbabes.co. If you're in a relationship, and I'm assuming the person that you're in a relationship has like a nine to five, right? When they have a nine to five and you're doing something that's not that, that can definitely be a point of contention. How do you recover during those times? Like, what does your self-care look like when you are a creative and you're leaning on yourself to feed yourself and you feed your dreams? For me, I mean, it could look like a lot. It could look like just going out, you know, it could look like getting in touch with a friend. It could look like watching like absolutely garbage tv like snapped or something or watching something that you feel like resonates with you or like inspires you i was like it always had like very like cerebral kind of like intense like movies that are about somebody's biography okay so those are all really great things and again i'm going to flip the script and kind of talk a little bit about the city that we're in the very noisy city right now that we're in by the way guys um apparently there was a martin luther king parade that just happened (laughs) right before our interview so that was fun which is not martin luther king day (laughs) it is not (laughs) that's on monday um i kind i kind of want to talk about dallas because you know you did mention it a little bit before that you didn't start your work or or the the work for the business that business that you currently have in dallas so what made you bring it here i actually didn't have any specific plan with dallas um tied to the whole like being in a relationship with somebody who's in a nine-to-five my boyfriend was in finance and in one way new york is a very good city for finance but it's also a very good city for people with certain privilege in finance because there's a lot of um 
not so much internship. They don't call it an internship, but it basically is an internship. And you have to have a client list of, like, your parents, like, millionaire friends, basically, to succeed in these companies and then get pushed up to being within the companies. And that's just not how it was going to go for him. But he did get a unique, like, opportunity out here in finance. And so it was like, hey, like, you've lived in Texas because I've lived in Houston. And, um, would you want to move back to Texas? And I said, not Houston. Nothing against Houston. Just, like, been there, done that. And he was like, well, Dallas. And I was like, you know, I've never even visited Dallas. Like, we went to Dallas. I was like, I can do my work anywhere. Like, I, I was like, I can write anywhere, right? Because I didn't even have, like, the same focus or the same business I had right now. I just knew that I was trying to make money writing or continue to make money writing and then make it a more sustainable thing for myself. Um, and I felt like maybe I'd have even some sort of advantage being able to say, like, I came from doing that in New York. And so we moved here, and yeah, that's it was not like a, a conscious choice on my part, but it was something that I think ended up being like very beneficial for me because of the network that I was able to grow here and because of like the creative and the art scene that they have here, which I don't even think that it that's a way that people outside of Dallas really think about Dallas, but they should. I'm obviously not hip to the creative scene here. My boyfriend lives in Oak Cliff and we'll occasionally go down to Bishop Arts and I can kind of get a little peek of it. And I will say that the creative people here are all out. They're definitely, they definitely kind of feel like they believe they belong in Austin and not in Dallas. But um, I kind of want to know how has it been um, as far as support um, here in Dallas? Because Dallas can be a tough city. I've, it's been called bougie many times. So how does your pretentious. Yeah. How's your support network been? So the thing about like art scenes here, right? Like we're sitting here at the DMA, which is very, I mean, as far as like the work that's bought in here, it is bought in by like arts professionals who are people from Dallas but it's usually work from somewhere else it's not a lot of Dallas I like Dallas Art Fair which happens every year which is mostly like a press and collectors event it was a big deal that Dallas artists or even artists represented by Dallas galleries got commissioned to come in I think it was like something like seven pieces which is like crazy but like there's I guess different facets of that art community so like going into bishop arts like that kind of like austin vibe like that's very much like the scene of artists like people who do the work there's also a part of like that scene where it's more the scene of like collectors all that's like more bougie and there are definitely people doing like work to like make those scenes merge there's a gallery like not too far away from here on pacific called like the muse collective and it's definitely like almost like an outsider, which outsider art is a genre of art that it isn't. So I don't know, technical terms, but it's someone coming in and looking for these artists and ways to connect them with the collectors that maybe haven't been done before, but also like looking at younger people as collectors and like making that an established scene. But um, I think it's really just going going to the things that have interested me and whether that be with 
people who are making art and in that vibe or whether that be in more I guess you'd call it like established or establishment spaces and just being able to like feel confident about like having a conversation I had a project idea that I didn't even really move forward to but I remember talking to somebody about it at an opening and it's like you know you're at this opening I'm at this opening like we both knew about it and like you said like you could be completely blind to this kind of stuff in Dallas and I wanted someone to be involved in it and she's just like well you know once you get started let me know no like here's my card so you can do that or anything like that and like that happens but what also happens is you have someone who is like a part of that established world who takes interest in like just the kind of creative like scene and who wants to collaborate off the basis of like I've had this conversation with you and then I went and read some of your stuff and like I'm reaching out to you Um, but I think that's everywhere I mean Dallas is Dallas Dallas is not New York where you're gonna like go to like a brunch a day party and then like have a day of parties like out of that and like opportunities to meet people because people are not friendly in that way here I don't care what anybody says about, like, Texas hospitality. That's just not how Dallas is. But you meet uh, the people that you'll meet where you'll meet them, and I think it's just definitely, like, I think it goes back to, I guess, knowing your worth, knowing your value, knowing what you've put out there, and, like, you know, just being comfortable in yourself and speaking to who you need to speak to and or who you want to speak to and, like, see what comes of it. It was refreshing for you to be real about the fact that there are people here in Dallas that aren't friendly and they aren't team players. And I think it's something that I really like to address because there is this movement and I don't know, maybe I should use a more sophisticated word, but I feel like it's so fake. We are saying that we're about collaboration over competition but we're not really seeing the actions i don't sometimes i will outright see people just steal each other's ideas or or art or creativity and and not credit and i think it's it's a very real part of dallas that does need to be spoken on and i'm glad that you did that so thanks but on a more positive note and to wrap up Is there any woman here in Dallas that you feel like has been kind of instrumental to you either, you know, as a friend supporting or any way in your business at all? Well, I'll say, and I I mentioned her that I met her in Houston, but she's definitely very back and forth. Nancy at Arts and Culture Texas, which like... I'm not on staff at any given magazine, but if I'd say that I have, like, kind of a home and somewhere where I feel pretty, like, comfortable reaching out when I have an idea, knowing that it's got a good chance of hitting those pages, it's there, and it's because of that relationship, and she gave me a chance in the realm of, like, just friendship, someone who's, like, an inspiration to me. Um, her name is Charlie. She owns that space, Muse Collective, that I talked about, which her story is so interesting. She, um... She moved here maybe four years ago or so, and she had a marketing background, which has definitely come in handy for her with, like, having this space and curating and promoting it 
But yeah, she had gotten like a couple of no's, a handful of no's from people when she wanted to use their space to curate shows. And the first yes that she got like launched something so successful. She did a a handful of these like one night only shows. Find her like very inspirational. And I think having like someone around you who you relate to on a more personal level, you also find inspirational is very important. Thank you so much for your time, Ashley, and for sharing your heart and being so honest. This has definitely been a treat for me as someone who, again, is, I just admire the arts and I admire anybody who is able to stick with it and make a niche in a lane and and make an impact with it. So again, thank you so much for your time. If you liked Ashley's episode, I encourage you to subscribe for some more great women to listen to. Also, like and follow us on Facebook, everything at Bold Babes Co. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Millennial women deserve to have their voices heard, which is why we created Bold Babes Radio. Our unique podcast network consists of an engaging lineup of show topics which serve our audience of young women between the ages of 21 and 35. We know what matters to you. From health to pop culture, we have a show for that. Visit us online at www.bullbabes.co to view our full show lineup, listen in, and subscribe.